0: Two mice fell into a bucket of cream. Here's two guys that fell into a radio station to talk about movies on Phoenix FM. So good afternoon, Mr. Mark Seaby. Really looking forward to hearing from you today. What are we reviewing today?
1: Well, we've got an eclectic mix today. To be honest with you, it's a bit of a strange one, I guess. But then they've both got green things in them. Maybe I'm stretching it here right. a little bit. To be honest with right. you, Spencer. So, um. We've got a film about a horticulturist coming up, but let's talk about The Little Mermaid, Disney's live action remake of their original cartoon. So, I mean, have you been keeping up with these live action remakes that Disney have been doing? I kind of I kind of
0: have. I mean, it's I know with this one it's not been without its controversy, has
1: it? Mm, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll leave that At, to somebody else. I think. Yes, discuss. exactly.
0: But but um, I think it's uh, I think you know from what I can see, I know some of the cast and the cast that I do know are uh, absolutely outstanding. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I will go and watch this. I will go and watch this.
1: Yeah, some of the live action movies have been good. Jungle Book is probably my favourite still to this day. I quite like Cinderella as well. Some have been really, really bad. Probably most of the others, to be honest with you. Um, Mulan. Mulan. Yeah. Well, no, I kind of like Mulan, but it's not really a remake. That's the live-action remake. It's something completely different, and I think that's what I like about it, really. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, Alice in Wonderland, that was not very good at all. Pinocchio, the Tom Hanks one was, was terrible. 101 Dalmatians, which they made back in the 90s. I mean, they were remaking them back then as well. So, They've had some good stuff. They've had some bad stuff. Little Mermaid sits very firmly in the middle. It's a film that follows the original story, yet's padded out by nearly an hour's worth of extra story. I right. mean, an hour. Who needs that? I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's not really the case. It's needed. These are the you know these are extra scenes. These additional scenes don't really add too much more to the entire story. However. You do get a little bit more depth to both Ariel and the prince's own stories, but it's nothing hugely important. Actually, probably the most important parts of the film, kind of like the animated movie, actually, are are the songs. And while they're few and far between here, because you've got an extra hour's worth of of film, um, I will say that Halle Bailey, not Halle Berry, by the way, I kept getting this wrong when I was talking to a friend the other night. It's Halle Bailey who plays Ariel really knocks them out of the park. I am thoroughly yeah. impressed with her voice. I've heard I heard
0: mean, she's very good, yeah.
1: Oh my god, you've only got to see the trailer and you go, wow, what a voice. It is it's a genuine delight to listen to them and not these these song, songs not be oversung or underwhelming as well. I mean, to be fair, I actually think Hallie Bailey's performance itself is the best thing about this film. It's got to be tough to play a delicate mermaid that will appeal to all ages. Yeah. I think Bailey manages it very well. You know, you do feel her longing and her pain and you understand why she makes this deal with Ursula, you know, these fish out of water segments, pardon the pun there. um, But when she gets her land legs are entertaining as well. I mean, we've seen it all before, you know, wobbly legs. Oh, we don't really know what's going on. And, but I found some bits funny and other bits rather charming. I, I liked Halle Bailey's performance throughout this film. I I was really taken with her in this one, but obviously I'd mentioned there a minute ago, uh, Ursula, who I think we can say is Disney's... She's always voted one of Disney's scariest villains.
0: I think the scariest, quite frankly. Do you? Yes, I do. See, I I
1: I would go with Cruella de Vil, but that's because I grew up with 101 Dalmatians. But... You know, we're, we're talking one and two here, I think. It doesn't matter. You go Ursula or Cruella de Vil. They're still both really scary villains. And yet this film feels like it is toned down Ursula a lot. There are Don't get me wrong. There's, there's dark bits in here that I think might scare a young child or two. And I, I do think that should come with a warning as well. This is not it's not as light-hearted, light hearted, light, light look like the animated movie is. This one's going for sort of a teenage audience, I think. But I don't think it has anywhere near the amount of chills in this version of Ursula. I I think Melissa McCarthy is badly miscast here. She just doesn't bring that evil energy. It's more mad professor in a horror movie really it's I, I just think it's a bit of miscasting that kind of drags the film down quite badly unfortunately is
0: it is it too, is it a case of being too polished do you think
1: do you know it could be a case of that it might well be that's a very good point um yeah, yeah wouldn't surprise me yeah I, I just think you need somebody to go a bit more evil on all of this and uh, maybe a bit too polished yeah it's not the best look for it as well I one of the one thing I should mention here and I have said this well I haven't said this I've been opposite this for for a few years now is that CGI's been absolutely terrible in a lot of blockbuster movies the CGI in this is terrific I Oh great th- Yeah there's lots going on and when the underwater scenes happen they look amazing of course, they're meant to, but we've had bad CGI in several years now in, in Hollywood movies. But this looks great. It actually seems natural as well, like nothing stands out. So when they're swimming through coral, it looks beautiful as well. It's good to see a blockbuster movie have good CGI. And I know that sounds silly, but we've had bad CGI in blockbuster movies for several years now, and it's disappointing. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, good CGI in this. Halle Bailey is terrific in the lead. The story is the story, which we kind of already know, even though it's dragged out for an additional 50-something minutes. Ursula is a wasted character, which is the biggest issue here. But overall, the film's okay. Perfectly fine. No problem. Sits in the middle. Does what it does. You go. You enjoy it. Jobs are good, really.
0: Do you think... Casting wise, if you think back, you know I think would be the most perfect Ursula would have been. Sorry, mm. if you're a fan of John Waters, Divine would have been the most perfect. <laughs> I
1: like, don't know if, um, <laughs> don't know if Disney would ch- have sanctioned that. because
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can't, you can't gloss him up. You can't. No. it's just, and I just think that would have been the most perfect casting. To do <laughs> it would have been amazing. But no, no, I'm looking forward to seeing this. It sounds really interesting. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those movies that uh, obviously, you know, live action remakes are always going to get people interested. Um, and as I said, this one sits perfectly in the middle. It'll do well. It'll be fine. You know, people will enjoy it. That's enough for Disney, I think. Great stuff. What else have you been watching? So we've got a film called Master Gardener, and this is about a meticulous horticulturist who's devoted to tending the grounds of a beautiful estate and also pandering to his employer, a wealthy dowager. Now I know what you're going to think here, Spencer. This is Downton Abbey, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, the, the, you know, you could be forgiven for thinking it is some sort of American modern-day ripoff, with the opening forty-five minutes. If anything is to go by, you know, this is a man so obsessed with plants in the garden that he employs. Only the best people to help him look after them. He has a secret relationship with his dowager as well, but his life is really devoted to the plants. Doesn't sound that interesting for most people, I think. You know, I think people are going, It's oh, kind of down to Abbe. However, if I were to say to you that this film is written and directed by Paul Schrader, the man who wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and American Gigolo and among many others, you're going to go, hang on a second this can't be yes, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> in, in fact, this film is the final part of a thematic trilogy alongside First Reform and The Card Counter. Now, The Card Counter is one of my favourite films back in, uh, I think it was 2020. Um, I love that movie. So if you've seen those films, you'll know that they're looking at characters that have a very dark side to themselves that isn't exposed to the wider world. And the same happens here with The Culturist. So after about... 45 minutes 50 minutes we start to see this guy unravel and we start to see why he's so obsessed with plants and how he got the job and the way it plays out is quite an interesting piece of filmmaking what i will say is that this film looks at second chances and how anyone no matter their background can get one from from the most unlikely of places so it's a curious piece to be watching after the owl mark, because before all of that, the film's very placid. It's it's kind of like, hey, we're just looking at plants and, oh, there's a secret love affair here. And, you know, there's, there's not much going on apart from this guy being really obsessed with plants. But then the second half of the film is where it ramps up this darkness about the central character and exposes what he was before he was a horticulturist. And suddenly this film stops being a, downton abbey american ripoff drama and turns into a revenge thriller and then into a road trip relationship film it's i mean it moves and
0: does does it work
1: well it does this is the thing it really does and i i think this is the great thing about paul schrader's work is that you go i don't know how he's going to pull this off and he pulls it off somehow it's you know it's the film moves through these stages pretty rapidly because the story is ramping itself up in terms of pace and the actual plot. So you've kind of forgotten about the plants by the time the film comes around to like an hour and a half, something like that. And instead you've got this kind of classic Paul Schrader bitterness and hatred and melancholic feelings and redemption and all of these. And that's why it works because Schrader comes in and goes... I'm flipping the script here. I was completely sucked in by the second half of this film. It's not what I was expecting at all. And I say that in a good way as well, in that I'm thinking, okay, it's a nice film, you know, it's it's okay. And, you know, Joel Edgerton, he's good in the lead role. And Sigourney Weaver's good in it. Yeah, fine, fine. But we're talking about plants. Then suddenly it changes and it becomes this revenge thriller and it becomes a romance story and it becomes a road trip story. And you go was not expecting that at all in such a good way
0: the sign of good cinema though
1: isn't it it really is yeah absolutely and it's the sign that you know paul schrader while he's not obviously not hollywood a-lister anymore he's still out there still making movies that a lot of people are still really enjoying even though these are small movies you know how he gets these financed i really don't know because you know if you're not making a superhero movie or something with loads of cgi then really it's very difficult yeah it's difficult to get small independent movies made but schrader's out there he's making these movies you know i look at first reform which was fantastic the card counter an amazing movie master gardener another great movie i'm pleased he's out there making his own movies under his own terms because these movies that are popping up of his i'm really impressed with them so far
0: and where can you find the Master Garden? Is it in cinemas or is it streaming or so it's in cinemas? It?
1: Yeah, it's in cinemas at the moment, um, and obviously right. it will pop up on streaming. Uh, I would imagine in, in several weeks' time, and then we'll get a DVD and Blu-ray of it, hopefully um, a little bit later on.
0: And what's the cast like? Supporting cast?
1: Well, this is the thing: is that it's only a handful of cast, really. I mean, you can tell that it's very much shot under COVID restrictions because of the small cast. But it doesn't yep. need a big cast at all. It just needs Joel Edgerton, Sigourney Weaver. Uh, pardon my uh, my complete forgetfulness. Uh, there's a young lady in this who, who becomes involved in the, in the central plot. I've forgotten her name. Um, there's her. And then there's a few other horticulturists that are taken in under his wing. But that's it. You know, there's probably, I would say, maybe 20 people in this movie at most. And it doesn't need any more whatsoever. And I think that's... That's the power that somebody like Schrader can bring when he's got his writing style. You know, he he did it with Taxi Driver. I mean, let's be honest, how many people are in Taxi Driver? You're probably going to say two, really. And that's it. That's what he does. He takes small casts and, and makes these movies that never feel small at all. They feel... Important. It's a
0: major skill, isn't it? It, it really, really is.
1: is. It really is. He's such an impressive guy. Even you know, even in his later years, um, making this type of stuff, it's fantastic.
0: Can't wait. That sounds really, really interesting. So, looking forward to seeing that. And what else have you got for us? Anything else?
1: Well, I've got a foreign language movie. How are you with foreign language movies? Do you know? Do you watch them, or you know, what's uh, what's your situation in your household?
0: Well.
1: Um, <sighs> This is probably going to
0: sound quite ignorant. So foreign language films I probably struggle with. However, um, in lockdown, if you remember that far back, in lockdown, I was addicted to a foreign language program called The Wave. Um, And I don't know if you saw it. It was a drama, a French drama. And it was the most addictive program I think I'd seen in a long time. It It was kind of like, do you remember... There was a series a few years ago on, I think it was on Channel 5, about called Under the Dome. It was one of these kind of lost stroke kind yes,
1: of yes, you know, I those do.
0: fantasy type programs. Well, The Wave was about inhabitants of a, a, a seaside town in France who became ill because this wave kept appearing. And it was it, completely in French, but dubbed. And, and I thought when it started, I thought, oh, I'm never going to... By the end of the first episode, I was absolutely hooked. And I think it ran for some of the like eight episodes. And each week, it was the highlight of my lockdown week. <laughs> it really was. It really was. So I, I surprised myself because straight away, my default setting is no foreign language films and programs mm. are, probably, are probably not for me. But this really was. So I was really pleased with that.
1: Well, I'm pleased that you're you're branching out. I know, obviously, we, we've spoken, obviously, on air last week and, and previous to that when we've spoken off air as well, that, you know, you love your movies and everything else like that. The thing is, foreign language movies, it, it's a whole new world. It really isn't. I understand mm-hmm. there's people out there who are not into foreign language movies and, you know, don't want to read subtitles. But on the flip of that, as the amazing director Bong Joon-ho said when he won the Oscar for Parasite, once you can get over those two inch high subtitles at the bottom a whole new film world opens up to you and you know so this is why i'm going to do some foreign language movies because i'm going to open up your new world for you spencer this is what i'm going to do i'm going to give you new movies so you've already got a long list of movies to watch anyway i'm going to give you even more now basically um so On DVD and Blu-ray now this week, it's a film called 1976, and it's set in Chile in 1976, where Carmen heads off to her beach house. When the family priest asks her to take care of a young man he is sheltering in secret, Carmen steps onto unexplored territories away from the quiet life she's used to. This is... An incredibly taut thriller. I mean, you know, you were talking there, obviously, about The Wave, which sounded like, you know, a thriller TV series as well. So this one certainly put this in the thriller bracket. It, do you know what? It reminded me, did you see Argo with Ben Affleck several years ago? Yes, I did. So it reminded me a lot of that, because it got these constant ripples of tension that keep building and building and building until you get this explosive pay, payoff at the end. But before all of that, film takes this very quiet approach to starting out carmen is a woman who's just trying to do right by her family you know she wants to try and stay away from the troubles that general pinochet is bringing about for the country but she's pulled into it by her local priest this then becomes some sort of moral quandary assignment that carmen is put into you know should she be doing this but then she wants to be how you know she wants to help those who need it the most but Should that come at the cost of her family and possibly their lives as well? So you've got these questions and more constantly floating around in her head and within the film as well. So it's a film about questions, even down to like the smallest elements in the film, such as Carmen taking the bus or driving somewhere. You know, should she really be doing that or should she really be trying to blag drugs direct from nurses? Should she be a witness to a murder? These are big moments within the film and her life it's a sort of damned if you do damned if you don't situation for Carmen and the more the film plays out the more the questions keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger in her life so you start to become quite involved and uh, as I said the film really revolves around Carmen so you have to have a brilliant actor play that role you know that's needed and I I have to say I hold my hands up here I have not seen any previous work of uh, Aileen Kupperheim. But this is uh, this is the woman who plays Carmen. Terrific performance from start to finish. I mean... Oh, really? Yeah, just absolutely fantastic. It's the type of performance you can see her just chipping away at who Carmen is, at Carmen's psyche, and it becoming more and more degrading for her and fearful along the journey that she goes on. It's It's a performance that I think grows in stature as the character diminishes in mental health. I could not take my eyes of uh, Aileen Kuppenheim because it's such a good performance. It's a it's a real standout performance, but that's kind of what you want when you have this film that's centred on one character. You, you need somebody who's going to keep you really watching non-stop. So this film is, it's a bit of a standout if you're wanting something quite dark, because the film is a very dark political thriller. It, there's no sunny side to it at all. So if you're not in the mood, trust me, this is not going to lighten it at all. Um, right. It, it is the type of film that if you like Argo, if you like Tinker Taser, Soldier, Spy, then I think you'll like this. It's dark, it's tough, it's political, but it is very, very good. It's very good. Really impressed with this one.
0: Well, I think you don't go into those films, you don't invest in those films without knowing what you're going to, you know, you you, you, you should anyway get, your kind of basic summary of what it's about for and the feel for it from the trailer anyway, shouldn't you? So you wouldn't go yeah. in cold anyway. So no, it sounds really interesting. It really does. And as I say, with the foreign language film, I think it's for me anyway, it's one of those that you stick with it. If you stick with it and you find yourself if it's a good film, it's a good film. And that's that's basically it. And you kind of get kind of sort of pulled into it, don't you? And you kind of let it works. So um, no, really looking forward to seeing that as well. I'm going to add that to my list. So what do we have next week? Have you got any anything you can tell us about next week's choices yet? Yeah, or?
1: absolutely, Spencer. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to do uh Spider-Man: Across the Spider-Verse, which is the sequel to Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse, that animated movie that came out a few years ago that
0: That'll be interesting because I I had quite strong opinions about that last one. Oh, did you? So that-
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. I will, save that. I yeah, will save, save that. Yeah, save that for yep. next week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yep. Um, we've got a new movie from Guy Ritchie. It's called The Covenant and it's an army movie as well. So if you're a Guy Ritchie fan, this is the second Guy Ritchie movie this year. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about it. You know, he went through a long period of not doing any movies. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's got two movies this year. And then to top it all off. I don't think we're going to get better than this title. This title tells you everything you need to know about the movie we're going to review. And the film is Cocaine Bear.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> this, <been> <laughs> this has been on my list for a long time. This really has. I saw this trailer. This uh, built up quite even before when the trailer came out, it built up quite a cult following straight away on things like YouTube and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it came out and people were like, have you seen the trailer about cocaine beer? And and a friend forwarded it to me and I said, is this a joke? And he was like, no, this is a film. (laughs) This is a genuine, (laughs) genuine film. And I think I went to I think I went to see John Wick at the cinema. And this was one of the trailers. And on the big screen, it looked just as bonkers as ever.
1: Really well, I'm, I'm pleased you're excited uh, to hear what I've got to say about it. Um, yes, you're right. It is a movie that went viral before the movie even got released. So if anybody has <laughs> d- does not know what we are talking about right now, well, not right now, obviously after Spencer's show's finished, um, go and watch the trailer for Cocaine Bear. Come back next week. We will review it, and then you can make up your mind whether it is for you or not. Um, I get the feeling... That me and Spencer might be on the same page as to what's happening in this movie, but we'll wait to see.
0: <laughs> I cannot wait. You've made my day with that one. You really have. I cannot <laughs> wait for that. So listen, thank you for today. It's been absolutely brilliant as ever. I'm really thrilled that you're part of the show now. I really am. I'm loving it. So uh, it's really useful. Really good recommendations. And um, yeah, have an amazing weekend, sir.
1: I will do. You too. You take care.
0: You want movies? These two are in my circle of trust. We got movie reviews on Phoenix FM. That's right.